Hi, welcome to the Refuge House broadcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact the world for Christ. So here's what you need to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. Welcome. We don't do April Fool. Did you hear me? I don't know which devil lied to people and they started associating April and Fool. We don't do that. Did you hear what I said? What you call the month is what it's going to be for you. It's not April Fool. It's April Blessed. Amen. Look at neighbor and say, Welcome to April Blessed. Look and say, Welcome to April Blessed. Hallelujah. Can you smile and look at the person next to you? So you don't drive people away from church this morning. Can you smile? Hallelujah. Some of you, the way you are looking, can crack a stick. Can you smile? Just look at somebody and say, say you are blessed. Speak the word. Say you are blessed. Say you are blessed. Come on, say you are blessed. It's going to be a joyous service. I can see Mrs. Okay. You're welcome. Amen. Hallelujah. I've been seeing your husband, so it's you that I've not been seeing. You're welcome. Hallelujah. Are we ready for the word of God? The most important aspect of the service is God's word. And it requires your full attention. Amen. We've been looking at getting back into the ways of the spirit. What it means to live a spirit-empowered life. Say with me, say I've been born again. To live a spirit-empowered life. We said there are two things, reasons why believers are not living that life. You're not safe to live a natural life. You are not, your origin is not natural, so your lifestyle should not be natural. You were placed in the natural realm to manifest as one who comes from the spirit. But unfortunately, because of Adam's transgression, man became connected to the natural. But Jesus came to return and restore our roots. Say amen. So the moment you're born again, you're born into a supernatural life. Say, I've been born into a supernatural life. Say, I choose to live the supernatural life in Christ. The life of Christ you've been born again to live is a supernatural life. It's a life that is above the natural. You are not created to be a victim of the natural. You're created to rule and to reign over them. Amen. So we said that two reasons why believers don't live the spirit-empowered life or the spirit-energized life. One, ignorance. What you don't know, you remember a victim to. And we said ignorance is lack of the required knowledge to function accordingly. Not all knowledge you need. You only need the right one. Is that not true? If I ask some of you, let me teach you how to pass tire, you will ask me, why do I need it? Is that not so? Because your, your, your own is not vulcanizer. So it's not all knowledge. You only need the right knowledge to function accordingly. You need to know who you are as a child of God. You need to know what it means to live the spirit-empowered life. Otherwise, you will become a victim of Satan and his operation. You see, in Christ, you've been made victorious over Satan, demons, and the operations of darkness. 
The Bible says, Behold, I give unto you power to do what? To tread upon serpent and scorpion and over all the powers of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. What is nothing? Absolutely nothing. Which means in Christ, you are protected and preserved because of him. So if you don't know that, you become a victim of what you should dominate. And that's one of the reasons many Christians, even though created by God to be princes, they live like servants. So you need to know who you are. You need to know. The Bible says my people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. All right. Second reason we said is unbelief. Unbelief is not the absence of the required knowledge. Mm -mm. Unbelief does not mean what you know is not available. Unbelief is reluctance to do or use what you know. And that reluctance is a mindset. Did you hear what I said? Is what? Let me give you a very funny illustration. A man was found dead in a house in America. When they did the autopsy, they found that the reason he died was starvation. He wasn't eating well. But in that same room where he died, they saw $1 million. Now, can you put, can you arrange it to your head? Because me, I can't arrange it. Why will a man die of starvation and you have $1 million in the same room with you? I can't arrange that in my head. My late auntie used to make a parable that how can you be in the midst of an ocean and you are using your spit to wash your face? Does it make sense? Doesn't make sense. How can God bless you and see you still live like someone that doesn't even know God? There's a reason for that. There's a reason why people do not choose the victorious life they have in Christ. It is called unbelief. Everybody say unbelief. What is unbelief? We said unbelief is a way of reasoning that is inspired by Satan. It is meant to cause us to shift our focus from Christ to other things. It could be you, it could be men, it could be situation, it could be circumstance. Matthew 14, verse 30, 30, uh, 30 verse 31 explains it. Jesus told Peter, come. Like I said, I had someone say that, that it wasn't Jesus' idea for Peter to walk on the way. It was Peter. Peter said, are you, he said, I'm the one. It's okay, tell me to come. And what did Jesus say? See, come. That was the word. When Peter heard that word, come. So he had the knowledge of the word and he responded to the word. And he began to walk based on the word. And as long as his focus was on the word, he walked on top of water. True of us? He had the word. But somewhere between where he was and Christ, Peter turned his face from the word and looked at the storm. And the Bible said the moment he looked at the storm, what happened to Peter? He panicked. The first manifestation of unbelief hit him. Boom. Because unbelief will first manifest as fear and unbelief. And what is fear? Fear is simply Satan's version of event. That's what the fear is. Fear is any narrative of a situation that has nothing to do with the word of God. That's why it scares you. A fear version could be an opinion of me. It could be even a trendy opinion, a public opinion that people are saying. The only problem is that the reason it's causing fear is because it does not involve what God says about it. People fear what they don't know. Is that not true? People are scared of what they don't know. But, but 
Bible says, in Christ, there is no fear because he has not given us what? The spirit of fear, but of power, love, and the That's why one of the ways you identify the word of God, the Bible says in Psalm, God says, if I speak, I will speak peace. When God speaks, it comes with assurance. Say amen. The word of God will always come with boldness and assurance. But when the enemy speaks, it will cause fear. So Peter panicked. And next thing, he began to doubt. Why did he panic? Let me tell you what happened to him. Unbelief began to give him. You see, until you give attention to unbelief, it will respond to you. That's why Paul said in Hebrew 3.12, he said, beware. Lest there is found in you any evil heart of unbelief that causes you to depart from the living God. The goal of unbelief is to cause your heart to shift away from trusting God and looking up to God and to something else. Peter shifted his attention. The devil did not make him do it. He did it by himself. Tell your neighbor, say your habit matters. Look at the neighbor, say your habit matters. All this carry do, carry do when they do may not carry you to the wrong place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your habit matters. Have you ever seen people, they'll be warning them, this thing your baby is not good, this thing your baby is not good. They won't want to listen. They'll be fixed in their stubbornness. God forbid, the day they will do that same thing and the end result will be terrible. May you not get there in Jesus' name. May you have ear to hear and repent before you make that stupid mistake in Jesus' name. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Stubbornness is not an achievement. It's foolishness. Did you hear what I said? What stubbornness is what? It's not an achievement. It's not, it's not a sign that you're a man. It's foolishness, whether you're a man or a woman. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Very important. Peter shifted. He, nobody asked him. He did it. And when he looked at the storm, the storm began to rearrange his mind. The storm began to give him a different narrative from what Jesus had said. And whatever the storm sowed to his mind, it produced fear in his mind. And that fear disconnected him from the word of God. What was the result? He began to sink. When you are afraid, it is a sign that your focus has shifted from God. And number two, once fear sets it, you will doubt. That means the thing you once believed, you will start to second-guess it. That's what unbelief does. The second unbelief we began to look into that prevents the Christian from living the supernatural life is the unbelief of spiritual slumber. I'm very sure some of us at one point would have gone to see a doctor before. When you go and see a doctor and probably you're complaining about certain symptoms that you are having, the doctor will ask you questions. That's not true. They call that medical diagnosis. And we say, do you have fever? Do you feel headache? How's your body doing you? Are you coughing? They'll take your temperature. Now, what are they looking for? The symptoms you display will give the doctor an idea of what is causing it. Is that not so? What is a symptom? A symptom is the outward manifestation of something that is wrong. Is that not true? Is the symptom the sickness? No. The symptom is evidence that something is wrong in you. And those symptoms are manifesting the presence of the sickness. That's why if you don't diagnose the symptom well so you can identify the root, if you treat the symptom, have you treated the sickness? Eh? If the headache is caused by typhoid, or my, I'm not a doctor, that's the little I know. I'm the son of a nurse. 
So we grew up with injection and so many things. So I know small things. Now, if the, what is causing the headache is malaria and typhoid, if you drink Panadol, will the headache stop? Will it stop for that moment? Will it stop? But will it come again? Why? Because you've not treated the root. What you did was you treated the symptom. That's why in Panadol, they will tell you, if you take it after three days and the headache persists, what do you do? Go and see your doctor. Okay? In case for some of you who want to be doctor by yourself. Yeah, give, no, give me Panadol. Just number five. Give me Panadol. Even bring Panadol extra. So that one, they work very fast. Headache is not a sickness. It's a sign something is out of balance in your body. So what do you do? You go and treat it. You go and find that. Do test. Because most of the treatments some of you do is trial. They'll be using you to do experiment. Say, so, Moku trial and then I five of us. If you not be typhoid, we'll do malaria. Go and do your blood test. Find out what is wrong. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So that they don't use you to become a, a laboratory or something. Find out if it's malaria. So they'll treat you for it. And if it's the kind of malaria, what kind of malaria? Is it one plus, two plus, or three plus? <laughs> then they'll treat you. Praise the Lord. Now, what am I saying that? Hear me. There are symptoms of unbelief. The unbelief of spiritual slumber. And I listed about 11 of them. If any of these symptoms is working in your life, then that means, hear me, that spiritual slumber is in your mind. Hear me. Unbelief is a way of thinking. What is unbelief? And the Bible calls it an evil way of thinking. Why is it evil? Because it causes believers to shift their focus from God to other things. Anything that stops promoting God in your life, that stops you from giving the attention to God, is an attack of unbelief. And the form that that unbelief manifests is spiritual slumber. Look at the number says spiritual slumber. Say it again. For time's sake, I'm not going to um, go into that. I've already dealt with that on some services. But like a doctor, this one be doctor for the scripture, not, not medicine. Let me list 11 symptoms that shows that spiritual slumber is working in your mind. And please, listen to them in humility. If any of this is plain, you better deal with it because there is a danger when you do not attack spiritual slumber. And I'm going to explain that. Number one, if you are suffering from spiritual slumber, number one, you will have what the Bible calls, says, dullness of hearing. Everybody say dullness of hearing. You become impatient with the word of God. Your stamina for messages is very low. You can't, once the message is more than 10 minutes, you switch off. It means you are spiritually going to sleep gradually. The word of God is no longer interesting anymore. Your heart has shifted. Even while the word of God is going on, it is the meeting you want to attend that you are thinking about. Can I, can I say this? What a man hears determines what he becomes true or false. How many of you remember the woman with the issue of blood? For 12 years, she had a problem. Is that not true? And that problem she had, every doctor she went to, the Bible says it grew worse. Is that not true? But something changed in her life. What changed? What changed was what she heard. One day the Bible said she heard about what? Jesus. If she was dull of hearing, 
she would have given up. So there is a way you listen that shows you want to grow and you want to change. And there is a way you listen that shows that spiritual slumber has already entered your heart. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's a difference between hearing to change and just doing normal hearing. Every one of you is listening to me, but not all of you are hearing me. Hello? Some of you are already seeing the jollof rice you will eat after service. Is that not true? Yeah. Number two, second symptom. Everybody say hardness of heart. The simple illustration is when two couples, husband and wife, stop talking, stop communicating, stop relating, their heart will begin to grow cold towards each other. Is that not true? Is it not true? Maybe you have a friend you used to talk with almost every day, then for some reasons, that friend you started hearing once a week, from once a week you went to once a month, from once a month, once in six months, from once in six months, once in five years. Now, if you meet five years later, will you still flow like the way you used to flow? Why? Because your heart has grown colder, distant. And that's what happens. When your heart towards the word of God becomes hardened, you know what will happen to you? You will disconnect from the word. No flow. When they say praise God, you'll be, you'll be <laughs> nothing, will, nothing is moving. Because your heart is hardened. When they say let's worship God, you don't connect. You just go and sit down and just be looking at everybody like watch night. What's going on here? What, what, I mean, let's sing and go. Because you, your heart has grown cold as spiritual slumber. Number three, spiritual numbness. You start losing spiritual sensitivity. You are not connecting anymore. Every, when you come to a service, it's boring. You can't flow. When they are worshiping God, no flow. You can't even listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying. You can't receive because there's no more spiritual perception. You can't tell the difference between entertainment and what is anointed. Everything to you is one thing. You are now operating fully on the reasoning. Everything is sense for you now. And, and the problem with spiritual numbness is that at this stage, you can easily be spiritually manipulated. Did you hear what I said? I, I, have you heard of Christians where curses work on them? You know why? Even though Jesus has delivered them from the curse, but because they are spiritually numb and they are not active spiritually, the manipulation of the enemy can easily get to them. I know this from personal experience and in dealing with people when it comes to ministry. Spiritual numbness. From spiritual numbness, it starts affecting their participation in church. You now start having reduced church participation. They start skipping church. Listen to me. Your commitment and attendance in church is not a spiritual, uh, it's, not, it's not a ritual. It's a spiritually instructed injunction. Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourself together because that's where you're being built. That's where you're being prepared for what God has called into your life. Then the next symptoms that follow, you start avoiding the fellowship of the brethren. You don't like hanging around Christians anymore. You now start saying that believers are boring. As if they don't have social life. You only hang around people who are humble, people who don't know God. You find fun among them. Hanging around believers in the social Bible that they talk. Who told you? Does Christians not have football club? Eh? Does Christians not have football fans? All of a sudden, anything that has to do with God and church, your heart has grown cold. You avoid it. From avoiding the fellowship of the brethren, you will now fall in love with the world. You know, the Bible says, love not the world. Is that not true? Not the things that are in the world. But once your heart has left fellowship, the things of the world is now going to be your fun. Bible talks about a man called Demas, who had worked with Paul for a while, but he fell in love with the world. Then from love of the world, you start doing what I call spiritual fakeness. 
You already know the way they talk, the way they laugh. In order for people not to find out that you are spiritually empty. Hey, bro, how you doing? You know how to say the words and do the things. You may be dancing to one fine um, vulgar song. Then the moment your brother or sister show up, you just switch it and begin to play uh, Chiwo Messi. And that was not what you were listening to. You just hide it. You now start faking. And you're not connecting anymore. Oh, brother, God bless you. God is good. Hallelujah. It's a lie. Nothing is there. Then from spiritual fakeness, you enter a phase called rebellion. Rebellion is when you're spiritually disconnected. You become unruly at that stage. You disobey authority. You don't want to be told what to do. At this place, you will disconnect. You start talking and complaining about church and pastor, the way he's preaching. That the pastor did not polish his shoe when he preached last Sunday. That one of the shoes, the bottom line open. That's what you turn to. That's the things you'll be saying. Say, remember the sister was, don't mind her. She was just singing as if she's the only one that knows God. Is that your problem? It's called rebellion. Then from rebellion, you now become easily envious and walking in strife. You know what envy is? Instead of thanking God for what God is doing in people's life, what is going on in people's life will now become a source of anger for you. From envy, you now start justifying living a sinful life. If you're struggling with a sin, instead of accepting the need for help, you will justify it. They say, I'm free in Christ. And number 11, you now enter, which is the final bus stop. Everybody say final bus stop. When this one shows up, it just tells you that you are a victim of spiritual slumber. It's called spiritual ineffectiveness. You become spiritually redundant. You know what it means to be redundant? It means no action, no activity, no value. Your spiritual value is zero. You are more excuseful than resultful. It's called spiritual slumber. Amen. Amen. So, and I said, what is, we looked at the symptoms. In order for us to deal with it, what is spiritual slumber? The word slumber simply means sleep. Everybody say sleep. How many of you slept last night? You slept last night? Very good. Now, when you sleep, there are two things that happens to you when you sleep. And everybody can agree with that. Number one, when you sleep, you have reduced activity. True or false? Is it not? Can you be playing when you are sleeping? It doesn't work now. Can you be greeting people when you are sleeping? Assuming a rat runs through your room when you are sleeping, will you notice it? Huh? Or except it jumps on you or cockroach. Jesus! <laughs> Alright? But, but generally speaking, when you sleep, you have reduced activity. True or false? You're not dancing. The only activities is the one you turn on your bed. You know, not true. Occasional, maybe when you sleep, the body finds out that that position is too long, then it will adjust. So activities reduce. And one of the benefits of sleeping very well is that the natural healing process and restoration process that God has created in the body takes effect. That's why when you are extremely tired, when you rest and you wake up, you feel what? Refreshed. Is that not true? Now, the second thing that happens when you sleep again, apart from reduced activity, you also have reduced interaction with the environment. Is that not true? Can you be sleeping and asking for food at the same time? Yeah? You can do that. You cannot interact and sleep. If you interact, you are awake. You have to be awake to actively engage your surrounding 
and your environment. So two things happen when you sleep. Activities are reduced. Interaction with the environment is also reduced. Now, when we apply that to the scripture and look at spiritual sleep or slumber from the scripture, the Bible describes it very well. But first of all, in the Bible, I, I told them in the first service, there are two kinds of sleep. Everybody say two kinds of sleep. The first kind of sleep is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14. Just listen to it. This kind of sleep is the one that happens to a, a person, a believer, born-again believer, that is diseased or he dies. The Bible describes it as to sleep in Christ. Thank you. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Christ. In the Bible, a believer is not described as dead. A believer is described as sleep in Christ or to sleep in Jesus. Why? Notice the expression. It says, even so God will bring with him those who sleep. So when a believer dies, he's not in the casket. The moment he dies, he goes to be with Jesus. Did you hear what I said? Then at the second coming of Christ, he will come with him to meet up those who are still alive. Do you understand that? That's what he's talking about. This kind of sleep is not the one I'm talking about. You only sleep that one once when the person's time of here has expired. Are you hearing me? Are you still with me? Now, but the one I'm talking about is the one in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5. Go there. The one I'm talking about, 1 Thessalonians 5. Is that, can you put it on the screen? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at what the Bible says. It says, therefore, let us not sleep. Everybody say, let us not sleep. The word sleep there, it's different. The Greek meaning of the word sleep in this verse, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6, is different from the other one. This sleep, <laughs> are you with me? Is the one that is comparable to when you take a nap. We're looking at it from the spiritual angle, not from the physical angle. Because physically, sleep is part of your life. You should rest. Are you hearing me? You sleep. Sleep well. Because if you don't sleep well, you can't function well. But when applied spiritually, it's a different ballgame. Because you cannot afford to be spiritually asleep. Are you hearing me? What does the Bible say? Let us not sleep. Is it saying we should not physically sleep? No. It's not talking about physical sleep. It's talking about spiritual sleep. Why? Because there are some Christians who are spiritually sleeping. Look at the statement. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. Look at the number. Say, are you sleeping spiritually? If you are, those symptoms are, man, are listed, they will be playing in your life. He said, as some do, let us watch and be sober. What is he warning us against? He's warning us against the attack of spiritual sleep or spiritual slumber. Now, let me, let me take it further. Go to Proverbs. Everybody, Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 6. Let me explain to you what the Bible says about spiritual sleep. What, what Paul was talking about in this verse. Let us not sleep. Let us not sleep. Tell your neighbor, say, don't sleep spiritually. Say that. Say, don't sleep spiritually. Proverbs 6 verse 10. Are you there? Proverbs chapter 6 verse 10 and 11. The Bible says, a little sleep. Everybody say, a little sleep. Look at me. Say, a little sleep. A little slumber. That word slumber also means sleep. 
but the scripture mentioned it again for the purpose of emphasis. This sleep is talking about here is the spiritual sleep that is like an assault on your relationship with God. A little sleep, a little slumber. Watch this. A little folding of the hand. What does your hand symbolize? What does your hand symbolize? Your hand symbolize activity, true of us. You interact with your hands. Most of the job you do, you do that with your hand. Is that not true? Is it not? Assuming you work in an office, depending on the kind of work you do, your job involves a measure of using your hand. Whether you are typing on the computer, you are writing a report, is that not true? You are picking the phone to answer a call. Are you with me? Or you are lifting up something, or you are driving with your hand. So your hand symbolizes activity. But watch what the Bible is saying. When you sleep, your hands are folded. Is that not true? So that means when you sleep, activity is what? Reduced. Did you get that? So what is spiritual sleep or slumber? Spiritual slumber is when your relationship with God is undergoing reduced activity. Are you with me? And reduce interaction with your environment. That's spiritual sleep. Because when you sleep physically, activity is reduced. Is that not true? Huh? It is reduced. Then when you sleep, interaction with your environment is also reduced. Your sense of danger is also reduced. Is that not true? It, God forbid. Everybody say, God forbid. Say that first. Say, God forbid. Assuming you are sleeping, God forbid, it will not happen to you in Jesus' name. But let's hypothetically assume that someone is sleeping, so I didn't measure you. And as you are sleeping, the fan, the ceiling fan now pulled. And you are directly under the ceiling fan. If you are soundly asleep, you know there are some people that, that they, the way they sleep, even if you steal them, they will not know. You know those kind of people? They are, they are, even if you carry them, they won't know. <laughs> Shoot gun in their ear, they won't wake up. Now, there are some, when you are sleeping, God forbid, not you, say someone is sleeping and the ceiling fan for some strange reason pulls and is falling on top of the person that is sleeping. Will the person, will the person have the time to dodge? Why? Because it's what? So that means when danger is coming, he's not aware. The only time he becomes aware that there is danger is when he has been struck. Is that not true? Is it not true? Yeah. So, a little sleep, a little folding of the hand. Go to the next verse. What will happen? So shall what? Whether poverty of Selephan shall what? Shall come on you like a desperate arm robber. Prowler and your, your need like an arm. So that means there are consequences to be spiritually asleep. Things that are not supposed to go wrong will go wrong when you are spiritually asleep. Things that you should avoid will come when you are spiritually asleep. Let me take it further. Are you still here? Are you learning? Yes. 
Let's go to Proverbs 24 from verse 30. Proverbs chapter 24. You, let, let, let's look at the consequence of spiritual sleep or slumber. Remember, spiritual sleep or slumber is when your relationship with God is experiencing reduced activity and interaction with the ever. So, spiritually and physically, your presence is little or nothing. You are not spiritually active. Everything you deal with is from a natural man point of view. You're always using your brain, your sense. God, there's a reason why God gave you your brain. It's not to replace your spiritual sense. There's physical sense. There is spiritual sense. Your spiritual sense is superior to your physical sense. As a matter of fact, God designed your spiritual sense to guide and direct your physical sense. But when you are spiritually asleep, you run on physical sense. And the problem with physical sense is that the senses can only see what is before him. Is that not true? Let me ask you a question. As you are in this church, can you see who is passing on the road? You can't. Why? Because you are limited. The, the senses are limited to what they can see, what they can taste, what they can smell. It has to be confirmed on facts. But your spiritual senses is superior to your physical senses because your spiritual senses is linked with the Holy Ghost who knows all things. So it can give you advanced information, insight, and understanding about things that are going on that even your head cannot make sense to. He can warn you of a danger that is coming and you can prayerfully stop it before it comes. Are you hearing me? Or you can, you, you, you may be able to make a move into a business and everything physically is just perfect. The people that will provide the money have agreed. Everything they will do is, is okay. Everything is physically fine. But the spirit will tell you, hold on. Don't sign. I will say, but God, what is all this now? You know, time waits for no one. You start speaking English. Then, then out of trying to be educationally sound, you want to prove that you went to school and that you are more intelligent than God, you now run ahead and you sign. By the time you sign, you just find out that they defrauded you. How would you have known? The complications of the deceit of men cannot be spotted by the physical senses. Are you hearing me? You can't. There are people that will come to you that look at them from top to bottom. Everything is okay, but something is wrong. That, that, that's one gift God blessed women call intuition. That's a women that can look at you, except for those that um, gossip has spoiled their own. You know, once you gossip a lot and you're not spiritual, your intuition will turn to suspicion. And it will not be used as a weapon against you and your husband. But if you are spiritually alert, your intuition can pick things. When you call, do you mind tell your wife, husband, say, come. Say, say that man, something's wrong. Say, what? He says, I, see, I just felt in my heart that this, this, please be careful. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Pilate's wife is an example. When Jesus was being um, interviewed by Pilate, the wife called and said, on he come. See, see this man? He has seen him interview different criminals and, and sentence them to death. But there was something about Jesus that she knew was different. He said, I had dreams about this man this night. Please, I beg you, be very careful how you handle this matter. That was what gave Pilate the wisdom to wash his hand. Say, this thing I want to do, not be me. I don't wash my hand. No. My hand no day. Anything when go come from this one, he go follow like Let's say, make him follow us. When you are spiritually asleep, you will embrace what can ruin your life and your destiny all in the name of good sense. 
Proverbs 24. Are you there? This, the word filled represents the life of someone. And the Bible is describing the field or the life of a one called slothful or lazy man. And we'll tell you why he's lazy very soon. Are you ready? Let's read it. He said, I went by the field or the life of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. What is understanding? That means the person lacks insight. The person does what? I counseled a woman some years ago. She later married a man that she found that after marrying the man with some children, that the man was in a court. And she didn't know. She didn't know that the man was in a court. And the relationship ended in a very nasty way. He took her to see a native doctor without her knowing. When she later found that it was too late, and the man, after like three daughters or so, drove her out of the house. She's unmarried till today. But she told me one thing when she came to tell me. He said, Pastor Roland, he said, I remember. He said, when this man came to me, the spirit said no. There was another guy who came and the spirit was like, that's the person. But this other one, my parents liked him. And he had money. You know that when you're going, hey, 200,000. Hey, Then you, the daughter, will not say, you will not marry him. <laughs> they will ask you that say you should go and correct that your head very well and readjust it. The one that would is he everybody that can dash 200,000 when it comes again 500,000. Ah, even the 200 I gave you, you have not finished it. 500 will not join. Then on top of 500,000, bag of rice, um, vegetable oil, all the food stuff will come. So it will not resist. Anytime it's coming, you create space so that new things will enter the store. But everything about the guy was good. But she didn't listen to the Holy Ghost. And it affected her. Another case of, even though she's a widow now, her husband that she eventually married was not the type that everybody wanted. There was another guy that came, but this one she stood her ground. The father, and this was also very wealthy and all that, father said that they, she said, mommy, the spirit is telling me not this one. Ah, the mother talked from Nati that cannot come. She said, no, I don't know, but it's not there. So she stood her ground. She eventually married who she won't marry. Few years along the line, that man that she was supposed to marry is a madman walking on the street. He just went insane. Tell your neighbor, say, life is beyond, it's more than what you see. All that glitter is not gold. I went by the field of a lazy man and by the vine of the man devoid of understanding. Go to the next verse. What did he say? And there it was. What happened? All overgrown with what? What is tongues? Chuku chuku. God did not put the chuku chuku. But because he was spiritually asleep, certain thorny situation started growing in his life. And do you know that thorns are extremely painful and uncomfortable? Grown with thorns, its surface was covered with nettles. Nettle is another form of chukuchuku. But this way it will scratch you. Are you with me? Its stone wall 
His defense was broken down. Go to the next verse. What did he say? When I saw it, are you ready? I considered it where I looked on it. Then I received instruction as to what the problem is and what went wrong. What is the next word? Read it, everybody. Want to go? Uh huh. A. Uh -huh. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little what? Folding of the hand to sleep. See, as a Christian, you were saved to be active. Write it down. You were saved to be what? Active. Active spiritually with regards to your natural situation or natural environment and your spiritual environment. A little child that was doing very well. Now listen, for those of you with the gift of suspicion, that's not what I said though, because if you are led by the spirit, you will not suspect. Listen to what I want to say so you don't go and misread me. <laughs> The child was doing very well, extremely well. Then when a new teacher came to the class, it wasn't too long, the child started doing badly. And the mother was like, what's wrong with you? But while he was praying one day, the Holy Ghost showed her that that teacher had performed sorcery on the boy. So she went to meet the teacher, called her by the corner. Say, I'm born again, see me. I know Jesus. That thing you did to my son, undo it now. Otherwise, what will come for you will not like it. When he said that fear entered that, she removed her hand. The original brilliance came back. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But if he says, you will beat the boy, beat him till black blue, slap him, kick him, boy, foolish head. Do I look like a coconut head or you? What's wrong with you? Because everything to you is what? Sense. When we're spiritually asleep, what should not grow in our life will grow. What should not be there will be there. Am, am, I, am I communicating with anybody here? I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. Paul the Apostle also describes spiritual slumber. Go to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14. I want you to understand what spiritual slumber is so that you, something you should resist. Many Christians have become comfortable with spiritual slumber. They, they, have, they, they look physically okay, but they are sleeping spiritually. I listed to you nine symptoms that shows that you are spiritually asleep. If any of those symptoms are playing in your life, that means you are spiritually asleep. And when you are spiritually asleep, things that are not supposed to go wrong will go wrong. Things that are not supposed to happen to you will happen to you. Even when challenges come, you will not be able to stand. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because there are things God will deliver you from and there are things God will deliver you through them. Are you hearing me? See, in this world, the Bible says we're going to have tribulation. What is tribulation? Test, challenges, storm. He said, but be of good cheer. I have what? Overcome them. Are you still with me? The Bible says in Ephesians 5.14, what did he say? Therefore, he says, everybody read that word. One, to go. Shout it. Look at your neighbor. May you not belong to the association of spiritual sleepers in Jesus' name. Amen. May you not belong to that. It's a terrible association. Look at the neighbor, shout, awake! awake. Tap the person, say, awake. awake! Tap the person, say, awake, awake, awake! Alright. Now let's look at it spiritually. 
It says, Awake you who sleep. Is that your Bible? Awake you who sleep. You who sleep. Wake. Awake. Arise from the dead. The sleep is talking about it's not just physical sleep. It's talking about spiritual sleep. There's something that I want you to see here. That word dead in the Greek means a corpse. I'm sure we are familiar with when something is dead. When something is dead, it means it has completely disconnected from the physical realm. Is that not true? Slap it to, beat it to, insult it to, do anything, it won't answer you because it is what? Dead. Now, the Bible is saying if you are spiritually asleep, you are behaving like a corpse. It says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and what will happen? And Christ will give you light. Now, there are two things I want you to see here. To begin with, I hope you know that the book of Ephesians were not written to unbelievers. They were written to Christians. I hope you know that. Because he was writing to the brethren that was at Ephesus. So this write-up was not to people who were not saved. It was writing to people who are born again. But yet, they were experiencing spiritual slumber or spiritual sleep. Now, hear this. The next thing you need to understand is this. He considered spiritual sleep or slumber as being dead. Let me replace that word dead with the word inactive. Everybody say inactive. It's not like you are dead, 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 according to Zebudiah, dead in dead. No. You are alive, but you are not active. You are spiritually inactive. When situation comes, you say nothing. You don't say anything. You don't speak your faith. You don't pray. You don't read your Bible. You are just spiritually inactive. That's the word dead, what it means. Now, hear this. This is very important. And the second thing he said is that not only are you spiritually inactive, you also lack light. Everybody say light. Come on, say that. Say light. What does light symbolize? Light symbolizes direction. If a place is dark and you cannot see your way around and a speck of light comes on, that gives you a direction of where to go, true or false. But if you walk in the dark, you can stumble because you're not seen around. Now, when you are spiritually asleep, you are inactive and you lack light. Everybody say light. Now, what is that light? Psalm 119 says, the entrance, verse 130, the entrance of the word giveth light. So to lack light simply means you lack the operation of the word of God in your life. That's what happens to you. Because you're spiritually inactive. You don't meditate the word of God. You don't declare the word of God. You don't dwell on God's word. You are busy feasting on public opinion and activity that has nothing to do with God. And as a result, certain spiritual things that should not attach themselves to you, attaches themselves to you. Are you getting this? Is this clear? Are you here? So, dead means no response. No interaction. When the enemy throws a lie at you, you don't reply. When situation and circumstances come, you don't reply. You become a victim of situation rather than one who dominates and reigns over them. That's what it means to be dead. And hear me, and this is very important. And when you lack light, 
It simply means you don't have a revelation of what God says about who you are. So you react in fear because you don't know what God's word says. The Bible says, they that don't know their God shall be what? Shall be strong and they will do exploit. But if you don't know God, you become weak. And you can't do any exploit because you don't know. And why is it that you don't know? You're spiritually asleep. What is the first symptom of spiritual uh, slumber? Dullness of hearing. You've lost interest in the word of God. As a matter of fact, you can have patience and watch a four hours video of a movie without blinking an eye. But you cannot survive a sermon of one hour. Something is shifting in your heart. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Alright? Now, hear me and hear me. I want to say this and I'll stop. Spiritual slumber has a threat. Everybody say a threat. If you don't deal with it, it will become a threat to your walk with God. And you need to deal. That's why everybody say, arise and Christ will give you light. Amen? Spiritual slumber has a threat. Everybody say a threat. Say that. Say a threat. I didn't hear you. It's gold. There are two things Jesus says about us. Go to Matthew 5. Matthew 5. Matthew 5. I will explain this, then we'll continue in the next service. Matthew 5, verse 13 to verse 16. Spiritual slumber does not want you to operate as a supernatural Christian. Because you've been saved to live the supernatural life. There are two things I'm going to pull out of these scriptures. Matthew 5, verse 13. Are we there? The Bible says, you are the salt of the earth. Say with me. Say, I am the salt of the earth. Say that one more time. Look at the neighbor say, you are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? That's one of the four. What is the second function? It preserves. They used to use salt to preserve. It also gives taste. Is that not true? Very good. Now, let's read. What did he say? But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing. So, a salt that has lost its flavor, it is good for nothing. Can you see that there? Are you with me? A salt, a salt that has lost its taste or flavor is good for nothing. Read what happens next. But to be thrown down and trampled on the foot by men. That means if you do not function as a salt that you are, and spiritual slumber takes out your taste, Instead of raining, you'll be, they will rain over you. Is that not so? Instead of you being in charge, they will take charge over you. Can you see that? Say with me, say, I'm the salt of the earth. Say, Jesus made me so. See, the life of Christ in you made you a salt of the earth. You are meant to give uh, taste. You are meant to bring preservation. Wherever there is decay, when you show up, life should come. That's who you are. Say, I am the salt of the earth. Say that with boldness. Very good. Go to the next verse. 
want to go. What did he say? You are the light. You are the light of the world. Say, I am the light of the world. A city that is set on what? On a hill. Say, I am the light of the world. What does a light do? You are placed here to be a direction. You know, we are temples of God. Is that not true? That means the light himself, which is Christ, dwells in us in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And because of his presence in us, we've been made a light. Your life is to bring direction because we are connected to the direction himself. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So we are in Christ, and as a result of being in Christ, we have been made the light of the world. Jesus is shining through us. Is that not true? You were not only designed to operate as a salt. Hear me? You were also designed to operate as what? As a light. What does light do? Light principally gives direction. Everybody say direction. Direction means a sense of purpose. The way things are supposed to be and the way it's supposed to go. That's who you are as a child of God. But hear this. He said you are meant to shine or standard in a city. Go to the next verse. Go to the next verse. But hear this. Now, no, is it the next verse? You sure? Okay, good. Nor do they light a lamp. Watch this. And put it on. Can you imagine you want a candle to give light to a dark room? After lighting the candle, you now cover it with a bucket. What will happen to the light? Eh? It may go off after some time because the oxygen, if you use up the oxygen, it will switch off. But at that point, the moment you put a basket or a, a bucket over the light, you, 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 you shed out the illumination. Is that not true? Is it not true? Yeah, you shed out the illumination. Now, now, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So you were saved to shine. Look at the number say you were saved to shine. Say that. Say you were saved to shine. You were saved to shine or shine or reflect Christ. Bible says, arise and shine. For what? And who is that light? Christ. So you were not saved to be covered by darkness anymore. You were saved to shine the light. And when light shines, darkness disappears. Is that not true? Very good. Now, it says, but it gives light to all who are in the house. Go to the next verse. Final verse. It says, let your, your light. And I've told you, what is that light? That light is the knowledge of the word of God that you have. Are you hearing me? The entrance of the word giveth light. If you do not have the word, you have no light. The Bible says in Psalm 119, I think one of the verses, Thy word is a lamp to my, and what? A light to my path. So if you do not have the word, you have nothing to share because the light of Christ only shines through you by the word. Say amen. amen. Are you hearing me? Now, this is what I want to make the statement before I stop. The threat of spiritual slumber is to take out your salt and to take out your light. To make you saltless so that instead of you ruling and reigning, you become the victim rather than the one who is in charge. 
and also to take up your light so that instead of you giving direction and exercising dominion, you are being dominated over. That's the truth. That's one reason you must never tolerate spiritual slumber. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Remind, let me say this before I pray. Spiritual slumber is a mindset. It's what? It's a mindset of unbelief. And the characteristic of unbelief is to get you to shift your focus from Christ to other things outside of him. And if that mentality is not addressed and dealt with, it will prevent you from shining as light and from being manifesting as the salt of the earth. Rise up on your feet. Hallelujah. Open your mind and begin to talk to God. Come on, begin to give him praise. Begin to give him praise. Begin to give him praise. Hallelujah. Begin to give him praise. Come on, thank him for the word you've heard. Pray that the word of God will speak to you. That the word you have heard will minister to you. The word of God you've heard will speak to you. It will minister to you. It will cause your mind to be renewed. So you can embrace the change that God wants to bring into your life for the season. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.